Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music teachers. This is episode 55 of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and in this show, we're talking about calendars and how to put one together for your studio. Hey, beautiful teachers, as we near another academic year for most of us in this hemisphere anyway, I thought it would be good to do a quick show about calendars, because this is something that I find is really valuable to have for my studio, and I often get questions about how I actually put it together, and the best way to plan all of these events out across the course of a year. So a calendar is a really great thing to have for your studio, an actual printed calendar, Because it gives you something to refer to, not for your own reference, that you can probably organize in your own brain or your own planner of choice. But having a printed calendar in your student's folder gives you something that you can say to parents when they ask you a question. When is the next recital? When was that group lesson going to happen? Are we off this week? Are we off that week? Well, you can just say to them, oh, I think it's such and such, but it's in your calendar. Or you can say the actual date and it's in your calendar that's in the back of the student's folder. I often actually say, oh, I'm not actually sure off the top of my head, but it's on the calendar because I honestly can't remember off the top of my head whether we're off this Saturday or that Saturday or when I put the group workshop in. I did it with intention in the first place. But having the calendar there means I can easily just say to parents, oh, it's in the calendar and get them to check it themselves. And it's also training them to check the calendar and that it is there for them and they don't have to wait for me to send out reminders. Now, I still will send out reminders, but it's good to have there as a reference. The big benefit, though, of having a calendar is not just the organization and the ease with communicating with parents. It's actually that they can see it all. So if you are referring to it regularly and they're looking at it, they can see everything you're doing. And it's stuff like this, stuff like seeing all of the recitals, all of the group workshops, the events, all of that stuff laid out for them that helps with things like makeup lessons and understanding the value of being a part of your studio not just a weekly lesson, but it's all of this other stuff and it's your professional development and it's the business and it's everything. Having a calendar can help them to see that because they can see the other events. 
It also makes you look more professional, which does help. Perception is important. And if you seem like you just run your studio from scatty bits of paper, however business-minded you are in your own head, or however well you take care of your students, there still will be this perception that it looks like it's your hobby. And you don't want that. You want people to take you seriously and to treat you as a business owner, because you are one. It also, as you put it together, can help you to see clashes and plan better. So when you just plan each event on its own, you don't necessarily see how close you're butting things up against each other, or how there's a big gap in the year where nothing is really happening that's going to motivate your students to move forward. So how do we plan it then? Well, very simple. Just write a list of the stuff that needs to go on it. So you need to put on your teaching breaks, holidays. You need to put on events such as recitals and group workshops and anything else that you might send a reminder about during the year. That's what needs to go on it. Write a list out. And then with your draft piece of paper or your Google Cal or your planner, wherever you do your own planning, put in the stuff that is not movable first. So the breaks. You can't change when Thanksgiving is if you take it off. Then you need to block that all out first. For me, that's the Christmas break and the Easter break. They don't move. The school set them. Well, Christmas and Easter set them, right? And then the school set them around that, and I'm not going to move them around. So put in that stuff first. The other things that might not move are things like exams, festivals, recitals that you do in collaboration with another teacher that you've already set. Or if you have a recital date already booked, then that's a definite. Put it in. After that, you'll put in the stuff that does move or can move as it works, right? So I would start next with my bigger events, my recitals. And if I'm doing a Christmas one, obviously that needs to be some time close to Christmas in the weeks leading up to it. I often do my January jam, right? So that's the last week in January. And that one I can set fairly steadily because I run it in my home studio. The recital that we do in spring, I always put a TBD beside it because, or a TBC, I should say, beside it because it could need to move because it depends on school halls. So that's fine. These things don't have to be set in stone. After my recitals, I put in my group workshops. Two of those are based on the recitals, so they'll be two to three weeks beforehand on a weekend that makes sense for my families, for what's going on. Try to avoid bank holidays whenever it is possible. And I put those in. And then I just have two group workshops left to put in. And there really isn't a lot of space left to put them once those things are in. So they're just going sort of halfway between the other stuff in times that make sense. I put one normally at the end of September because I think it's good to have at the start of the year so we can go through practice tips and spend that kind of session working on that and get the year off to a good start and a fun start, right? Playing games together and getting my students meeting each other again because they haven't seen each other since probably the recital before the summer. And then I have one final one to put in and that'll fit wherever there's a reasonable amount of space. You don't want this stuff too close together because you won't get the maximum value out of it and also because it's tiring, (laughs) Running group workshops takes a lot out of me. I need to have them spaced out 
so that I'm not dreading the next one, that I actually am looking forward to it, that it's not just a drain. So plan out the stuff and then you need to create your printable version that's going to be for parents, right? I think the simplest way to do this for most people is going to be to set it up in Excel or Google Spreadsheets, whichever you prefer, one of those spreadsheet applications. The reason that's the easiest is you can usually download a template. You can download a template for any format you want there. And it will already be set up for the year. You can even download ones for academic year and they're available free online. All you need to do is Google this stuff. So you look up calendar September 2019 to August 2020. 2020, can you believe that? And you just look that up and you'll probably find a template. If you don't find a good academic year one and you need one, then just piece together a 2019 plus a 2020 and, and cut together the two halves. The reason a spreadsheet is handy is because you can find templates and because the cells are all individual, right? So it's easy to just color the particular ones you need and create a little color-coded system. That's how I do it. So dark gray is my holidays and then I have a green color usually for recitals and then a kind of orangey color for groups, something like that. Just a simple system and you can put a little key beside it and that's all you need. It doesn't have to be fancy or look amazing. If you download one of those templates, it'll be fine the way it is. If you want to see my calendar, you can get to it on my studio website, colorfulkeys.ie, and just click on tuition fees and calendar and you'll see it there. But mine is created in InDesign, Adobe InDesign. That's not because that's necessary for creating a calendar. And I get a lot of questions about, oh, how do you create this? How do you create that? It's because I come from fashion design, right? I studied fashion design. I come from a design background. So to me, it's easier to use InDesign than it is to use Google Sheets. But it's not because Google Sheets is hard to use. It's because that's what I'm in all day, every day and have been for a crazy amount of time now. I'm not going to say how many years that is. So if Google Sheets is easy for you, use that. If you find a template within one of the programs you use, maybe Pages has one, I'm not sure, then use that. Anything that's simple, it doesn't have to be fancy, it just has to be laid out and clear and simple. And then once you have it, print it out, put it in every student's folder or binder, give one to new students when they start in your studio, and refer back to it regularly so that people actually use it. So just a quick training today, I hope that it was useful for you. Let me know whether you have your calendar prepared for the new year, whether you are intimidated by setting up a calendar or you've been doing this for years and you do find it useful. Let us know about it in the Vibrant Music Studio Teachers group on Facebook or in the comments underneath this show notes page at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash 55. That's it for this week. I will see you on the next episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching podcast. Bye for now. If you want more help preparing your business for a new year and you're a Vibrant Music Teaching member, then head over to the video library, click on courses and check out the Studio Business Reboot. It's a really great way to get your studio up and running for a new year and make sure you have all your bases covered. If you're not a member, you can get access to that instantly by going to vmt.ninja and signing up today.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.